2021 season is officially behind us. The Iowa Hawkeyes finished their season with a 10-4 record after a 20-17 to loss uh, to the Kentucky Wildcats in the Citrus Bowl. David I. Colt, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com. Uh, just doing a quick recap of what happened, Sean. It was a uh, – I feel like it's a story we've seen a lot this season, but the difference is that Iowa defense that is as good as advertised, it couldn't get one final stop. Iowa's offense – especially in that first half was, was not good. I mean, I know people want to focus on the bad. I think there's a lot of really good foreshadowing for what's going to, you know, come in the future. I think there are a lot of really good things to take away from it, but I'll tell you what, we, we talked about, it, you know, countless times, Sean, the story was Wandale Robinson and how explosive he's been in that last drive. I think he accounted for every single yard that they got um, outside the touchdown itself, but what, what a performance by, by Wandale Robinson and, Iowa secondary is legit, Sean, but it seems like they've really struggled with a lot of those star players. You look at David Bell, what he was able to do, and, and other guys. And, you know, Wandale is just as good as any of them, and that's that's the crazy part. Yeah, what makes Wandale so good, too, is that he can beat you out of the slot. He can beat you in short routes, beat you in intermediate routes, and beat you deep, too, when he gets you behind the secondary with his speed. And, yeah, I wrote that in uh, – the what we learned piece that I wrote after the game saying like, Hey, like you can prepare all you want for some of these receivers. You can have a secondary like Iowa that leads the nation turnovers and, you know, is one of the best in the nation, potentially multiple future NFL guys. But, you know, there's some guys you just got to tip your tip your cap to and football is a game of inches. And if you're, you know, one second or like even a half a second late to tip a pass or, you know, you overplay, you know, by five yards or, you know, however many yards, you know, that's going to make a difference at the end of the day. And guys like Wondell Robinson can exploit those weaknesses and exploit those small mistakes and take advantage of them. And, you know, we saw that on Saturday with his play. He was, he was something else. I think no other Kentucky receiver had over 30 receiving yards and coming into this game, Robinson was the only one, only receiver that averaged, um, or receiver that was healthy to average over, I think it was 15 receiving yards per game this year. And, you know, Iowa spent all week preparing, or, you know, the last month preparing for him and, you know, picking what he's going to do and, you know, trying to find ways to stop him and, you know, whatever that may be, giving him different looks or whatever. But, you know, he's just so, he is so good. He is so good. And it was pretty funny to hear Ed Podolak in uh Gary Dolphins say after the game that they really hope Iowa doesn't play Kentucky again because they don't want to see Wondell Robinson. And, you know, he's saying can be said for David Bell, but yeah, Robinson, he was, he was something else today. And, you know, at the end of the day, obviously some mistakes were made, but you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, I think, well, especially with Wondell, I mean, Iowa got back to back sacks. We'll dive in the defensive line in a minute, which I thought was their best performance of the year. I mean, Zach Van Valkenburg really showed up strong. Lucas Van Ness yeah. had a nice game. I mean, different guys flashed. But that third and 26, I think it was, Sean and Wondell yeah. had that great diving 32 yard catch. At that point, I mean, it was good defense. It was just a better catch. And it was a really well placed ball by Will Levis. And, you know, the whole time, Sean, leading up to this game, I always said that. Iowa had to win the turnover battle if they were going to win this game. And the turnovers would have to put them in a position to where Iowa can execute. And Iowa didn't. And Kentucky came in, I think, as the third worst uh, team in turnover margin in the country, ranked 128th. Iowa was the third best. But, you know, obviously what everybody wants to talk about, Sean, uh, quarterback, 
I mean, you know, I, I do feel for, for Spencer. I give him a lot of credit for facing the media, knowing what the reaction was going to be. The second Spencer said anything, he was the first player to meet with us that wasn't on the podium. He was, you know, I thought he took great accountability there, but I mean, Sean, we've had games this year where, you know, yeah, it might have been the play calling a little bit. It might have been the offensive line. Well, you can't put the game on Petrus' shoulders because the passing game's just not there, right? You got to say, it never falls on one player, Sean, because, I mean, Iowa did take the lead. And then Wandale Robinson, you know, had a had that legendary run. Uh, Torrey Taylor had a few touchbacks today. That's not like him. But three interceptions. I mean, and there was the one where, I thought it was a great call by Brian is they ran the same play that got Nico Regani that touchdown against Penn state. Spencer just flat out missed him. And he was completely wide open. Spencer had all time in the world uh, in the pocket to make that throw. And Iowa just didn't execute. So at the end of the day, I think Sean is, I don't know how Iowa goes forward with Spencer Petrus as starting quarterback, but with the way that everything played out today, I mean, and this is nothing that I'm hearing or you're hearing, but it's just sort of we're speculating this, right? I want to make sure I put that out there. I mean, do you have a hard time seeing Alex Padilla on the roster next year? I I do, and I think if he if he started, and I'm not going to say it's one game, but if he started this game, I think we'd be having some different conversations about that. Um, And obviously, I think too with the the progress of Joey Labus, there's been a lot of really good positive buzz about him. And, you know, obviously it's that's happened before, but it really seems to be amplified. I know, you know, Petrus' struggles or Padilla's struggles and just the whole entire quarterback situation kind of amplifies that buzz a lot more because people are always wanting, like dying to get the to get the next guy in there. And I don't think Labus is ready for that starting spot yet, but I think it was really really interesting when I was listening to the broadcast today back in my place. And, you know, they mentioned that Kirk was saying that um, Labus could be in contention or will be in contention for the starting spot in the spring when spring ball starts. And, you know, you hear that all the time. You're like, oh, yeah, everyone's competing. Everyone's competing. But, you know, you think about it and, you know, Petrus was always going to be the guy if he was if he was healthy. And. I think, too, just the way the offense has been stagnant at times. You know, Lavis is a little different from Petrus. The way I describe him is he's a is he a, he's a dual-threat quarterback and a pocket passer body. So, you know, he can make these throws. He's got a good frame. He can move around a little bit. Obviously, the Drew Tate comparisons are going to be are going to be strong. Obviously, you know, he's not – I don't think he'll have the career that Drew Tate has, or, you know, maybe he does, but – you know, they're similar in style if you want to compare them to an it, it, Yeah, it's, it's unfair when we make these comparisons that people say, oh, he's going to be just as good. No, the style's there. Like, yeah, don't put that put, don't put that label on them immediately. Right. And, you know, I think Labis will get there. I think he can get to a place where he can be a really formidable quarterback for Iowa. But how soon? That's the that's real question yep. mark with him. Right? What he brings to the table is really, really promising. And, you know, I think Iowa's offense is – suited for him to succeed. Um, obviously I think people disagree with me on some of that stuff, but I think I think there is a there is a window there this spring for him to really make a run. And I talked to a couple of people um the last few days about it and they said, yeah, like he's made really good progress. What he's done, obviously, you know, Kirk said it publicly, but you know, from behind the scenes, a lot of people have been really surprised with his with his impact and how much he's really 
you know, done. Obviously, it doesn't mean anything until you put on the pads and are actually playing in a game with tens of thousands of fans um, screaming at you or, you know, cheering for you and doing it against an opposing Big Ten defense and, you know, not on the scout team. But I think you really have to be happy with the progress that he's made. And, you know, just to be in contention for a starting spot potentially is, is really fascinating at this point in his career. It's going to be intriguing to see what happens. I think this is the first year, Sean, where we really do sit back and be like, there's an open quarterback competition. I think we said that last year, but I think everybody kind of knew that Spencer was going to be the guy this time though. There has to be like there or people have to lose their jobs at the end of the day. I, that's what I will say because Iowa cannot have what happened this year at quarterback. They, they, they just can't. I mean, until two touchdowns, that offense touchdowns they had in the second half, Sean, I tweeted this out. Iowa had only had two touchdowns in the previous 14 quarters of football. That's not sustainable. Iowa had two passing touchdowns since I think it was October 16th. Not, neither of them came from Spencer Petras. They came from both came from Alex Pandia, and they were both in the same game against Minnesota. That's not going to win you football games. I mean, Sean, we're talking like this and with these stats. What do you think Iowa's record is if you hear these stats? Three and nine at the end of the year? Two and ten? I mean, yeah. no, that's not great. That's, yeah. I mean, and, and this is a team that won 10 games. This team found a way to win 10 games. And that's the incredible part at the end of the day. But we talked a little bit about the negative, and obviously we're going to talk a lot more about the quarterback battle for weeks to come. But I think it's important that we touch on this. Gavin Williams showed me a lot today. Gavin Williams I thought was spectacular. I thought he should have gotten the ball maybe a few more times. LaShawn Williams kind of gave us glimpses of what we saw in the fall scrimmage and that spring scrimmage where we were like, you know, kind of turned a couple heads. Like, okay, he's, he's making those strides. I really liked what I saw of them. And I loved the way Iowa's offensive line performed. I thought Iowa's offensive line was hands down their best game of the season. No, no sense, no two questions about it. Running lanes were open all day. Petrus had time in the pocket for the most part. Uh, I think you need to give a ton of credit to George Barnett. And it's very clear. And granted, like what Kentucky was missing their start defensive end. And I do think that obviously would have had a big impact. But one player is also not going to be able to cover every single gap on running plays. And, that I mean, the, the holes were open all day. So I think I give George Barnett a lot of credit. I think can you give the young guys a lot of credit. And Linderbaum has not officially made a decision or anything yet. I mean, I think it's crazy if he doesn't go to the NFL. But with that being said, Sean, I think there's a lot of optimism next year about uh, about the Iowa's running game. I was I was very, very impressed with what I saw. Yeah, me too. And I'm kind of beating Crow a little bit because I've said that I don't see Gavin Williams as a feature back. Like I think he can be a really good, you know, a complimentary back like Makai Sargent. And I think Makai Sargent was more suited for, um, you know, being a lead back than Williams was. But, you know, this game really showed me and showed a lot of people that he's, he's capable of doing it. And, you know, I think Tyler Goodson, what he did for Iowa's offense when he was really good was, you know, really intriguing. Having a guy that can get to the outside like that you know, go away from the traditional inside zone, inside zone um, running scheme that Iowa has. And, you know, Goodson was a big-time playmaker, could hit the home run. But, you know, when Iowa has a guy like Gavin Williams who can, you know, do so much in between the tackles, can get those extra, 
you know, two or three yards after contact, which I don't think Goodson did a great job of at times this year compared to what he did last year when he had finished through guys instead of, you know, going to the side or, you know, falling back. Um, I think Williams does a good job of keep moving his feet and, you know, find, committing to a hole and, you know, hitting it. And LaShawn Williams, I thought he was really impressive as well. He's more of a sergeant type where, you know, he can run between the tackles. He can also, you know, use his speed to get outside and, you know, make plays that way. I think those two would be a really, really interesting uh, duo in next year. And I think you throw Caleb Johnson potentially in that as well. I know the coaching staff has talked about, you know, him potentially making an impact next year, depending on how he develops this offseason um, when he arrives on campus. Those, those are three really interesting running backs that you can do a lot with. And obviously, you know, you don't want to go – it's not ideal to go back to what Iowa had a couple of years ago with, you know, Torrin Young, Ivory Kelly Martin, and Makai Sargent because, you know, that – kind of leads not necessarily to a guy getting in rhythm, I guess. But yeah. I think what you can do with those three running backs or two running backs, however you want to look at it, is really is really fascinating. Can really, you know, add a good wrinkle to this offense, especially if that passing game can get to a place where it needs to be. Because you're right. I mean, you know, the passing game, it's shown moments. Petrus has a good arm. Obviously, sometimes decision making is a little, a little skeptical. Um, but I think what you have, for a base and what you have for the future in that room and, you know, on offense, you know, there, there's a window there and I don't want to go too much back into the quarterback situation, but, you know, I was losing guys this year, but they're also going to, they have guys that young guys that, you know, were really encouraging, you know, maybe sooner than a lot of people expected. And there's a window for Iowa the next couple of years to have a lot of success with the way that they've recruited and, you know, at the positions where they've been really strong, like, you know, defensive backs we saw today with Jamari Harris. Um, obviously, you know, he's not necessarily a younger guy, but, you know, redshirt sophomore. So, you know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And there's guys this year as redshirt freshmen, even true freshmen that have stepped up big time. But you need one, you need that one position, you know, to help you propel that offense forward and have that offense take that extra step. And that's the quarterback position. That's what's holding back right now. Obviously, you can look at the offensive line this year. But, you know, when I was often to get good blocking, when it runs the football effectively, like everything just seems to open up. And, you know, you need a quarterback to make some of those throws consistently that Peters didn't make today. I thought he made some big ones, but there were some that missed where you're just like, you have to make those throws. Mm-hmm. And this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, it's just, yeah, this this is a window for you, a window of opportunity for you to make something happen in the next couple of years. And, you know, your defense with Phil Parker at the helm is always going to be good, minus the first drives of the game. But, you know, you've got to have that one. you got to have that complete, you know, in unison. you got to have that one player that's going to help take you over the top. And that that's at the quarterback position. That's where Iowa's been, you know, not as, not as stellar the last couple of years. I thought Stanley – there's a lot of potential for him after his sophomore year to, you know, really make that make that next step and help that offense. But 
you know, it really wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And, you know, they, they need to find that in the next couple of years if they really want to take the program to the next level, but they really want to be, you know, playing in Pasadena or, you know, competing with teams in big 10 championships outside of getting blown out. Um, I know that big 10 championship, there was much more to it than quarterback play, but you know, that's, if that's your end goal, like you got to get that position to a place where it needs to be. No, I agree. I mean, Sean, you don't win championships without good quarterback play. And Iowa right. is not even asking for good quarterback play. They're asking for average. I mean, the reality is that Iowa's, Iowa's offense in general has just been super slow this year. And, you know, I'm very intrigued what happens this offseason. I don't think there's going to be a lot of transfers, impactful ones. But thinking about guys like Sam Laporta flat out said he's going to have to make a decision if he wants to go to the NFL or come back. Tyler Linderbaum, Dane Belton, uh, Kevon Merriweather is going to come back. I think he's going to be an NFL guy in the future. But, I mean, Sean, there's guys that, you know, if they dip, I think there's a lot of potential. But I could be another one of those situations like the Iowa offensive line room this year. It's like, hey, you know, you've, you're going to have to get thrown in the fire and just learn to grow and flourish. I think that's going to be an intriguing thing as well. But there's no doubt. I mean, you have guys like Arlen Bruce. And I, we need to mention Keegan Johnson as well. Uh, obviously, he was a late scratch today. Kirk basically said tonight that he got called around 3.30 a.m. that Keegan wasn't doing too hot. Uh, he doesn't know exactly what's going on with him right now, but I think he said he's doing fine. But we'll, we'll see. Obviously, that didn't help. But, Sean, before you really just move on, I do want to mention one more thing about the quarterback play that I've really taken notice Petrus does not make his reads quick enough. Alex Padilla will make those re- like Alex Padilla in terms of going through a one, two, three, four, boom, boom. Like he knows where his receivers are. He can get through them. I mean, Sean, how many times today? I think I give a lot of credit Sam Laporter for making the catches, but I mean, there were times where guys were open on crossing outs deep for wide receivers, but uh, but Spencer is so zoned in to, to Laporta because Spencer's. Spencer's uh, safety net is Laporta, while Padilla uh, while Padilla almost forgets that Laporta is there and always tries to utilize the wide receivers, at least what we've seen in recent actions. So I think a way for Joey Labis to potentially make that next step at Iowa's quarterback is to be able to balance those out because you have to get the guys like Arlen Bruce, I thought, played a great game today in his limited touches. He had the touchdown, had a few shorter catches, did some nice things. Uh, but there's going to be pieces to build on there. And again, I, I, I'm very intrigued, but with that being said, there's no doubt that Iowa's offensive philosophy has to change. I think not even revolutionize it, but they just got to make some slight ways to modernize it. And I think that can go a long way as well, but people have been very critical over Brian Ferentz. I thought he called a, a fantastic second half. That tight end screen was a phenomenal call to get Laporta in the end zone. Uh, that play that didn't work that, you know, Petrus just missed him on the same play that they ran the, in the Penn State game. I thought that was an outstanding play call. They ran the football well. And, again, I think that's what where the silver lining is. Iowa dominated both lines of scrimmages. They ran the football effectively. And I tweeted this out, Sean. It was kind of the first time all season where we kind of sat back and said, Iowa's playing Iowa football. They're not passing the ball great. But what Iowa has always said to built off of or built their program off of is low penalties, running the football, and dominating line of scrimmage. And I thought, even though they didn't win today, I, I thought Iowa 
flat out dominate both line of scrimmages with, without a doubt. Yeah, I think so too. And that was a really key thing coming into this game as well because Kentucky was great as one of the best offensive lines in college football this year, my pro football focus. And I know Iowa was up there too, but I think Linderbaum's grade really excelled it's that. Funny. But, yep. you know, yeah, and Kentucky was solid across the board. And yeah, you're right. I thought, I thought the defensive line did a really good job being that pass rush. I know Will Levis is definitely a uh, unique quarterback, the way that he can move around the pocket and you know, Iowa's had trouble with that a couple times this year, and he just made some really good throws. I was really impressed with him on uh, on Saturday. He he yeah. made some really tough throws that you kind of just, you know, like with Wondell Robinson, you just got to tip your cap and say, like, dang, like, that was just a good play. But, you know, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to take away from a defensive perspective. Like you said, defensive line, I think Iowa's really going to miss – Zach Van Valkenburg next year. Um, obviously, that was one of his better games, but I'm interested to see how or who kind of steps up in those spots. Um, Jamari Harris really has come along in the last couple of weeks when he's been, you know, called upon. And he had his best game as a Hawkeye on Saturday as well with, you know, coverage and, you know, making some nice tackles in the run game and, you know, breaking up a couple passes along with his interception. So, you know, there's there's young promising pieces there. I'm just interested to see how Iowa is able to fill those ones next year. Because like I said, you know, there's that window, but you know, you don't really know until you see them. And, yeah. you know, at this point it's kind of unproven. Like Jamari Harris, there's been good buzz about him since his freshman year. He's had to work, you know, stay in the, you know, make, make his dues the last couple of years. And, you know, as we've seen so much before the Iowa, they just are able to, you know, bring guys up and guys are able to come in ready. And, you know, I think that's going to happen. But you always had you always had to question it a little bit before the season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of things I think for us to talk about. And you know, how many times this year, Sean, is the game come down to Iowa's defense having to make one final stop? And how yeah. many times they do it? This is the first time this year where Iowa did not make that final stop. And I had the same feeling after Iowa took the lead. I was talking to Keith Murphy from Channel 13 Des Moines. And we basically looked at each other and said, the game is over. Like, this is – we've seen Iowa win this way. I'm like, it's unbelievable. They're going to find a way just to eke this out. I mean, I, I texted you. I had my game story written when Kentucky had the ball back with two minutes left. I was ready to post it. But then Wandale turned into Wandale, did his thing, and it was very surprising to me just to see Iowa's defense just not come up with the stops. And, you know, again, I get it that Petrus threw the ball, intercepted – through three interceptions okay the last one was a bad decision he didn't want to take a sack but i'll tell you sean i thought the coaching was bad today i thought that a lot of the decisions were not smart today i mean you think about iowa trying to do a hard count at their own 40 i think around midfield on a fourth and one after kentucky's out of timeouts iowa utilize used the timeout on a hard count that made no sense to me and then at that point yeah linderbaum's out but with the way Iowa had been running the football, I, I really think they should have went for it. But you kind of knew Kirk went. And, you know, I don't think we're at, they're having this conversation if Tory, you know, pins him within the five or ten yard line, which we've seen countless times this year. And Tory is a pretty reliable uh, punter. But at the end of the day, scared money don't make no don't make money. Don't earn it. And Iowa's conservativeness, their, their Achilles heel on offense in general, it came back to bite them. And I think that's kind of the microcosm of the season. And so, Sean, I want to point this out, too. I think people need to appreciate how Iowa you know, stole a 10-win season, right? I think people do need to take that surface value. 
And it is a big accomplishment. And this is not meant to disparage Iowa's season, but you need to keep this in mind. Let's do a, a, a team-by-team list of their wins and their losses, okay? Beat Indiana, 2-10. and 10. Beat Iowa State, see, they ended 7-6. and six. Beat Kent State, they were 7-7. Seven and seven. Colorado State, 3-9. and nine. Maryland, 7-6. and six. Penn State, 7-6. and six. Northwestern, 3-9. and nine. Minnesota, 9-4. Illinois, 5-7. and seven. Nebraska, 3-9. and nine. Losses, Purdue, 9-4. Wisconsin, 9-4. Michigan, 12-2. Kentucky, 10-3. And in those four losses, Sean, Iowa lost by an average of 20 points. Jeez. And, you know, again, you appreciate the 10-win season, but the offense held them back. And they won. They found a way to win games, and that is a skill set in itself. But the offense has to take steps next year. And, you know, I think you're in the same boat as me, Sean, maybe outside of quarterback. Iowa has the talent to take big steps forward on offense. They have the personnel and guys to be able to do it. And that's why it's such an intriguing thing going in next year to see what Kirk and company do. Because you know who's tired of it more than anybody else? I guarantee you the players are more sick of it than anyone else. They have to be. Especially yeah. getting in front of the media talking about it. So, I don't know. Again, it, it you have to put context into Iowa's 10 wins. But, you know, it's a, it's, it's a rough pill, I think, for a lot of Iowa fans to swallow. What uh? How many touchdowns did Iowa had today? Two. Yeah, two. It two. So in Iowa's four losses this year, they have four total touchdowns, and so that's on seven in general on offense. And then on so coming so seventeen so thirty four divided by four that's a little over eight. So coming into this game and their three losses. They average 5.7 points per game. And now it's a little blub eight, obviously, because, you know, the mark this week. But, yeah, I mean, just like just not being able to get like stuff going offensively. Like yep. that's that's unacceptable. Like you just can't. Has to be. You can't have that. Like, you know, I know Iowa has relied on defense and relied on special teams, and, you know, playing smart football and everything. But. You know, it's another era of college football, too. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I do think fans, I know fans for a fact, are tired of, you know, that sort of not not that brand because, you know, a lot of people respected and, you know, the physical play and, you know, being smart, disciplined. But, you know, there comes a point now, too, like if you want to get your program to the next level and, you know, to play in Indianapolis, to play in the Rose Bowl, to play, you know, in the Cotton Bowl, in Arlington, and, um, you know, wherever, you know, there's just got to be a point where your offense is consistent and can make plays downfield because, you know, that'll work. Like, you know, Iowa style now, the 10 game or the 9, 8, 10 wins or whatever, like, we'll be singing your praises at programs like Kentucky, like Mark Stoops, like the guy gets an extra, I don't know, like hundred thousand dollars for winning eight games or nine games and like an extension on the contract. And, you know, I think Kirk Ferentz has done a fantastic job of turning the Iowa program around. I know a lot of college football fan bases would, would kill to have Kirk Ferentz as a head coach, but you know, a lot of people said it too. Like I, Kirk Ferentz is a mastermind for getting this team to 10 wins without the consistent quarterback play that had, without the consistent play on offense. Like, you know, he has done a phenomenal job. Now it's, you know, up to that offensive 
side of the ball to really step up because, you know, your defense can only do so much for you. And that's saying a lot. Like if this team, like the ceiling of this program could be, you know, taken up like two levels. If the offense finds a way to, you know, get some sort of consistency or some sort of system that works for them. Especially if they expand the playoff to 12. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be in favor of that, but you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not in that boat either, but they'll be in top, like they're in, they finish top 20 every year, almost as of late. You know, if you want to creep into the top 10, you know, maybe even top five, I don't know if I'm speaking, you know, crazy here, but you know, I think it's realistic. I mean, so many people have tweeted it today too. It's just like, imagine if this Iowa team had a, had a decent offensive player, at least some sort of consistent offensive play where, you know, if they average two, three touchdowns a game, like on offense, like that would be enough at this point. Here's this, Sean, and this is a hard pill for Iowa fans to swallow. And I know everybody's thinking it and I'm sure other people say it, but I'll say it. If Iowa does not take steps forward, I don't know if they win seven games next year. I don't know if they win six with that schedule next year. Yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty defense will be there. They're punting and special teams will be the well, kicker. We'll see what happens. With Caleb, you know, Caleb Shudak's gone. We've talked about Drew Stevens, but Sean, they might struggle to, you can't have 124th ranked offense and win 10 games ever again. It will never, ever, ever happen again at Iowa, especially the program. That's why it would be Iowa. I agree. But the hard pill swallow is if Iowa does not take steps forward, I will, I see them struggling to make a bowl game. Michigan, they play Ohio State. It, uh, we'll see what happens. It, it's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna be very intriguing to watch. Yeah, you paused, you broke up there for a sec, so I paused like you know half a second. But basically, what you were saying was for anyone that missed that was Dave was talking about the schedule last year, or I mean next year, and how it's not very manageable um, if Iowa continues. I mean, even if they're good, like it's still a very tough schedule. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be a very intriguing off season with some of the storylines. Obviously quarterback is, is a big one. Um, running back to watch those guys development, offensive line, the growth there. I don't know how much I think Sam Laporta comes back, but I also think that, I think that Citrus Bowl performance earned him a lot of money. Um, Offensive line, a lot of young talent there. Defensive line who replaces Van Valkenburg. Um, linebackers, I think all those guys come back. Secondary will be a big question as well. I think Terry Roberts and Jamari Harris are capable of being the guys, but, you know, there's not much depth at this point, or not much proven depth. So it's going to be going to be an interesting offseason. I'm, I'm very fascinated to see how, you know, some of the freshmen come into, obviously, Zayron Wongfa. It's going to be a guy that can compete for snaps right away. Drew Stevens at the kicker spot. Caleb Johnson, as we mentioned before, I think those are the three guys that are probably most suited to play early. Um, you know, maybe a couple other guys on special teams here and there, like Landon Van Kekricks or, you know, someone along those lines. But I think when you're talking about, you know, offense and defense, Johnson and Wonk will come to mind and then Stevens as well on special teams. So it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how things go about. I know, you know, Kirk didn't want to talk about the uh, the internet star um, this year um, with Joey Labis, but I think you know that that spring competition is going to be 
going to be one of the more, you know, ones that actually have some legs to it than in previous years. The most popular guy on campus is always the backup quarterback. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just is. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think Iowa fans in general, Sean, are <clears throat> just hoping that brighter days are ahead. I mean, you think about today already, Spencer Lee is going to come back, but he has to end the season after he's going to have surgery on his ACL. Tyler Cook just got hurt in the Bulls game. He left in a wheelchair, so we'll see what the update is with him, and Iowa loses the bowl game. I mean, probably among the worst start to a 2022 for uh, Iowa sports that people probably could have imagined. Yeah, not uh, not pleasant. A lot of people were wanting uh, 2021 then, but, you know, <laughs> 2022 here, and, you know, I think people got to – Got to get over them. I mean, I'm all about the New Year's resolutions, but, you know, when people say 2021 can go to hell or 2020 can go to hell, obviously <laughs> I get where they're get where they're coming from. But it's like, dude, like it's literally just a change in the calendar. New Year to me, Sean. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm all for that. I, I like the resolution stuff. I like writing goals down. I like, you know, having yeah. something to work towards. But, you know, I think that new year, new me and, um, you know, 2021 can go to hell or whatever. It's like, dude, like, honestly, everything just is is the same. Like, time is just a flat circle. Like, you know, there's really not much to it. That's just how life goes. It's just a life cycle. This is a very pleasant way to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's, I will say there's a lot. There's a lot of meaning to life. But I think, this, <laughs> I think the new year, new me stuff is, like, way out of line. I'll, I'll just uh, – let's end it I'm on that. Uh, Sean Bach, David Eichel, Stormcast. Uh, I'm sure follow us on Twitter at David Eichel. I ask Bach247 at Hawkeyes on 247. And I'll be sure to go to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest and most in-depth Iowa news, scoop, and analysis. Uh, but, yeah, we'll talk in a few days. Iowa basketball, Big Ten season's right around the corner. Uh, I'm sure we'll have an end-of-the-year press conference, and I'm sure we'll uh, – for football, I'm sure we'll have a live emergency podcast, Sean, once uh, – a lot of guys make decisions, so we'll see what happens there. But for David Eichel, Sean Bach, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.